The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. So Mark Twain said that the reports of my death are greatly exaggerated. And I'm here with the gambler, Jeff Gann, who I posted a very moving tribute to you because I heard that you had passed away. But this is not true because obviously you're here talking to us right now. Correct. So was there a miscommunication or a misidentification? Uh, What happened? Misidentification. Okay. So is there another gambler or is that what's going on? To my knowledge, there was a gentleman by the name of Russell Stallings uh, that was uh, using the name Gambler. He's the one that passed away. You know, condolences to his family. You know, it's just, it's a sad thing, but I'm glad it wasn't me. <laughs> Are you getting report? Were you getting reports of people like asking your family if you were still alive and that sort of thing? Well, my son Jeff, he had uh, tried to call me early that morning because he woke up with so many tweets about. My passing. Right. He called me. I was at work, had my uh, phone laying on top of my toolbox. So then he calls me like six times, no answer. So he's pretty upset. So uh, I call him back and I said, oh, shit, something's wrong, you know. So uh, when he hears my voice, he just breaks down and starts crying. And my son, what's wrong? You know, and he's like, Dad, do you not know it's all over the Internet that you died? I said, oh. No, I didn't know. <laughs> I said, hell, unless, unless I'm dead and I don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because I heard it too. And uh, I wrote a nice tweet about about how you had kind of helped me out a very integral part of my career. And then heard a couple of days later or a couple hours later that it was all it was all a rumor and all, all a sham. So then a good friend of mine suggested, well, why don't you try and get him on Talk is Jericho so you can tell him face to face and actually have a conversation with him. And I thought, what a great idea. So uh, <laughs> so your misreported death led to this. And it's great, great seeing you, man. It's been a long time. And I appreciate all the kind words you've said about me. But, man, you did that on your own. <laughs> I was grateful to have the match I had with you. Well, it's funny because I'm going to look right here. It was August 23rd, 1996. Right. We're going to talk about your whole career, but let's just talk about this this one story. So it, we were doing tapings, worldwide tapings in Orlando. And I had just had a match a few days prior, my first match in WCW with Jerry Lynn. And it just didn't work out. It, it just wasn't good. I had just come from Japan where I'd been working, you know, 20-minute matches and they give you five minutes and I didn't know what, what to do. 
And I had a really bad kind of cloud over my head because I came back from that match and Terry Taylor said, I heard you were supposed to be good. What was that? It was terrible. <laughs> now, when you're a young guy and you hear that, it just kind of crushes you and you kind of don't even really know what to do. So then I, I kind of like, and I, a lot of people are saying, well, what happened to this match? I heard that it wasn't very good. And so you better do good in this match today. And so they just happened to put me with the gambler, which is you. Do you even remember this? Oh, yes. Oh, I do. Yeah. Terry Taylor actually came to me. He said, look here. I said, we like this kid. We want to sign him. I said, you know, I said, I need you to go out and have a good match with him, a good solid match. Still get yourself over like you always do. You know, find those little openings where you can get you something in, you know, make yourself look good. I said, said, take, cut him off occasionally, see how he recovers. But I said, we like this kid. We want him to have a good match. Just go out and have a good, solid match with him. And but get him over good. I said, okay, I'll do it. Because I knew that's what my job was. Right. <laughs> it was a pleasure, man. I really, really I, I watched the match just the other day. That's probably the only second time I've ever seen it. But I watched it the other day. And I said, wow, he didn't need me. <laughs> well, it's funny, though, because and actually I was going to surprise you. I want to I do a watch along of that match with you. I have it pulled up right here. and We can watch it together. Right. But just so you know, like I'd been wrestling for six years at that time. I'd been around the world, Japan and Mexico and all these places. That time I had really low self-esteem because I was in a new – this was the big leagues. And I know – and you know, too, you only get a couple chances to really make a first impression. And if you lose that confidence, you don't know what you're doing or where you're going and what to do next. Right. So it was very integral to me and never having met you. And I just I think you led the match. or I had a couple ideas and it was just like, I'm just going to go out there and just have a match with, with with the gambler and not put any fancy bells and whistles. Just have a wrestling match. And that's what we did. We really didn't really talk about much, best I remember. We didn't really talk about much. And we especially had a beginning, a middle, somewhere, and a finish, you know. You know, and it's one of the things I learned from Ole Anderson was act, react. And if you can do that, if you can act and react, you can have a good match. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what you done. Every every time I would touch you off do a little something, bam, you was right there with it again. You know, and I was like, <laughs> uh, hell yeah, come on. <laughs> well, I think I, I would love it's five minutes long. Let's 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 watch it together okay. right now. Right, We're gonna pull it up. You guys can find it on YouTube if you want. It's Chris Jericho versus the gambler. <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna add this right now. I'm going to put this into full view here, and we're going to watch it together. This is from, once again, uh, 1996, August of 96. I turned the sound down so you can't really hear it, we'll, and we'll talk over it. So th- so we used to show up at Universal here and do probably what, two weeks of tapings, right, Jeff? And you'd, you'd wrestle once a day or twice a day or whatever it may be, and they would bring in the audience who would cheer when they were told to, and they would boo when they were told to. Very much a canned audience. Yeah. Yeah, so here comes the gambler. He's got card tricks. Look at this. Throwing the cards out. It's like kind of like a riverboat gambler, right? Well, that's what Pez Watley called me. You know, it's the riverboat gambler. That's what Pez Watley called me. Oh, so it was a Pez Watley invention? Uh, yes, Pez Watley uh, gave me the gambling name. He started calling me Jeff Gamble in the beginning. And uh, and that was all due to a, a road that I lived on, was Gamble Road. And he and I, we stopped at the end of a highway one day, and he was trying to come up with a name for me. And he's like, we'll call you Jeff Gans. And then he was like, no, you're Jeff Gamble, you know, and he said, but you are the Gamble. <laughs> <laughs> where was that? Was that in Texas somewhere, or where was that? In uh, Tennessee. In Tennessee. Tennessee. I lived in Tennessee. Gotcha. 
So then here comes the hot young upstart, Chris Jericho. Only my second match in WCW ever. And once again, uh, not a lot of confidence, even though on the surface. Oh, you look like you got all the confidence in the world. Mate. <laughs> deep down inside, though, man, I was like, this has to be good. So, you know, <laughs> well, Pee Wee Anderson's the referee, not with us anymore. Right. Yeah, I'm sad to hear that. Nice little solid lockup. You'd give me the big knee, big forearm to the back here. Off the ropes. Oh, a little reversal. Oh, look at this. <laughs> nice. Yeah, right on cue, man. Right on. You know. But see, once again, that's a great call to put together the match. It's very simple. The baby face gets the steam at the beginning, and you're, you're doing some nice bumps for me there. Mm -hmm. How long had you been working at this point, Jeff? It's 1996. Okay, I've been with uh, WCW since 1990. Since 1990. Wow. So they they knew exactly what they could they could trust you. Oh yeah, yeah. Terry, uh, I was at the power plant all the time. Terry Taylor was there a lot. And you know, and Terry would always come to me, you know, at the TV table and said, hey, we need to get this guy over good. You know, I know you can do it. And, you know, so, uh, you know, that, that was a little surprise right there with that elbow. Well, I don't even think we'll talk about that, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. But look at you. You recover. I mean, you just you do your thing. And then the, when you get that opening, you're there. It's funny, too, because that ring is so small. Like, oh, when yeah. you when you look at it in comparison to like WWE rings or AEW rings, it's probably about a you 60. That as a Ole Anderson. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. You got a little bit of Anderson in you there. A little Arn Anderson, Ole Anderson look there. Yeah. Yeah. See, Ole took me under his wing when I went to the power plant and uh, worked with me. Good muscle there. Your, your typical old school barrel chested heel there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, this is a good match, you know, already, you know, it gave me a little shine at the beginning and beat me down here. You know, it's 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 exactly kind of what you were asked to do, and exactly what I needed to kind of show that I could have a match. Because once again, coming from a place where you're wrestling 20 minutes a night and condensing that into five, there is sort of a psychology to it. It's true, very true. And I knew, see, like that second turnbuckle, that you would come up with something, you know, to cut me off, you know, and right. it was just act react, you know. Yeah, you probably told me you know take over whatever it was, and and I did. You know, the, the, the dreaded atomic drop. <laughs> That's good stuff, though, man. You know that clothesline, you know? Yeah. Oh, man, man you, you were a breeze to work with. And I wish we could have had more matches together. But shortly right after that's when uh, I had a shoulder injury and had to, had to have shoulder surgery. Okay. So I think this is the finisher. This is the big lion salt right there, little backflip thing. Yeah, perfect. Right on. Go to the top rope. Here comes the big drop kick, and there you go. So basically, in about four minutes, you helped me kind of revitalize my career. And you might think that, oh, yeah, it was just you. It was just you. But, dude, seriously, that really made a big difference. So it was actually pretty fun to watch that with you. That's cool. Hey, it's great watching it with you, man. So you knew exactly what to do. You'd been working kind of uh, doing these, these, these types of matches for years at that point in WCW then. Yes, yes. I mean, I knew what my job was, you know, and my job was when I had good solid matches, get the stars over and call it a day. <laughs> and I enjoyed it, man. I'm, I'm telling you, I enjoyed my days with WCW. It didn't bother me to go in there and put somebody over. It did not. I was getting excitement out of it myself. Mm. But, you know, I got to do with the wrestling. I didn't get to play sports in school. So that was my time right there. And I loved it. I mean, I didn't care that I had to go out there 
people. It was fun. But that's what wrestling is, right? Like that was, if we were actors in a movie and your job was to get shot by the soldier in every war, you'd do it. And you'd, if you're a good actor and you do a good performance, who cares if you win or lose, right? Like you had sure. a certain role to play on the team. And obviously if they had an eye on me and knew that I came out of the gate stumbling, let's put him with the gambler. He's going to be great with this. That's a good position to be in. Right, yeah. Well, Arn Anderson actually had told me that many times. He said, you can work with anybody. He said, that's a talent. He said, you can go out there and get anyone over. Now, Arn was like one of my idols. Mm -hmm. You know, I always looked up to Arn, and Arn gave me advice along the way. It was, it was a great compliment that coming from him that, hey, you can work with anybody. You know, we can trust you that you're going to get the job done no matter who you work with. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. How did you end up in the WCW in 1990? Okay, I went down for a trial. Then they started using me in the very beginning as uh, Jeff Gamble. So then I ended up beating Ole Anderson. He kind of took a liking to me after being around him for a little while, you know. But and Ole was a tough guy. You know? And Ole would tell me something, I'd listen. Mm -hmm. Hell, at one time, he, I had long hair, and he told me to cut that shit off. <laughs> <laughs> he said, don't come back here on Monday with that shit. <laughs> what did I do? do you think I went back there on Monday with that long hair? Because <laughs> <laughs> it was, was Ole booking at the time? Yes, and Ole was at the training camp working with his uh, son, Bryant. And uh, Bryant and I, we were trained a good bit together. You know, so therefore, I was in green a lot with Ole. Ole was the one that that little skit when uh, Rick Rude was world champion as being one of the bodyguards uh, with Rick Rude. Uh, and that was just a little short skit that, that was done. Mm -hmm. But Ole gave me that. I have to credit, man, I'm going to tell you what. I have to credit, and I've never told Ole this. I have to give him 100% credit for my days at WCW. He is the one that got me signed to a contract. Mm. He said, James, get your contract ready. He said, get down there and sign. Nice. You know, so I have to give only my credit for the days me at WCW. And, and I've never told him that. Since wrestling, I haven't really talked to anyone. You're really the first person I've ever talked to. Since wrestling, well, now, I was in contact a little bit with Buff Bagwell when I had a little indie show after wrestling and, and Buff coming to work for me. So. But I've never told anybody that I credit Ole Anderson for my days at WCW. <laughs> and I, I hope someday I can get the opportunity to tell him. <laughs> when you were at the, so when you mentioned the power plant, were you training there, like training other wrestlers there or just training there yourself or both? Okay. I went in and uh, started, you know, just training for myself. So then it developed where it's like I couldn't get enough. I was there every day, even though, even when my training was, uh, I was still there. Mm. And so I actually kind of fell into the category, me and Sarge at Buddy Lee Parker, of kind of being his under guy of bringing new guys in and helping them get them trained. Mm. I kind of fell into that. So I wasn't like, per se, a trainer, right. but they would put me with certain guys to train them because I enjoyed it, man. I, I loved it. 
So who were some of the guys that you helped train? When Big Show come in, I was part of his training. Uh, when Big Show come in, I know his debut says something else, but I think the stake of his first match was at center stage, and I was the one to wrestle him his first match. And it was basically, he caught a boot as I give him a, give him a boot and uh, chokes him. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you train a guy so big like Paul? Like at the time, he was, I don't know, 25 years old. He was probably 400 pounds, legit seven feet tall. How do you start training a guy like that? And, and what kind of instructions were you given by the office? You know, when he was at, when he was at the training camp, I really, his size didn't bother me or anything. And he went, uh, and he worked hard. Oh, he, he worked hard at the power plant. His size really didn't bother me or anything, but I remember being at center stage, and I was already in the ring, and the doors open, and the smoke's coming out, and he walks out. And that's when I was like, oh, shit, I'm glad I know this guy. <laughs> 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 but someone was on the front row, and they're like, Gambler, he's going to kill you. And that's when I thought, I said, damn, I'm glad I know him. <laughs> Once again, I guess when you're training somebody that big, it's probably, was it hard to teach him how to sell? Did he understand the concept of selling considering how big he is? He probably never sold anything in his life. I think uh, Sarge worked with him more on, on the selling, but I think it's just something he just naturally developed. Yeah. I learned fast. I mean, he, he wasn't at the power plant very long. I mean, he was on TV, you know, for sure. He wasn't there long, but he when he was there, he worked. There was nothing given to him. Sarge didn't give it to him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got along great with Sarge, too. Well, Sarge was an ornery bastard, wasn't he? He wasn't, he wasn't having it either. <laughs> yeah. Unless you really got to know him. And he, yeah. You know, you could see a different side of him. You know, no, Sarge was a great guy. He was a great guy. He was always a good guy to me, too. But you could tell as a trainer, he was probably pretty hard-nosed. He was he was hardcore when it comes to that training. Yes, he was. Who else did you train besides Paul that came out of the power plant? Mr. Olympian, uh, Chip Mitten, which he was, a, you know, he just kind of stayed more in the jobber status also. Right. I can't really think of, like, stars. You know, Craig Pittman come out there. Ice Train. Worked a lot with Ice Train. Loved that guy. You know, men, men Train. You know, I got along great with Train. I mean, I just can't really think right off the top of my mind, you know, any guys that, like, really made it, in, you know, as stars. Sure. Like, major stars. You know, trained with a lot of guys there and enjoyed it. And it was a it was a blast. So tell me about some of the guys that you worked with because WCW at that time frame, especially when you get to like 95, 96, 97, it was an all-star cast of some of the greatest wrestlers in the world. Yeah. I mean, you go from the cruiserweights to the heavyweights to everyone in between. There was there was a, a probably one of the greatest rosters of all time. Yeah. Buff Bagwell loved working with Buff. Yeah. Uh Johnny B. Bad loved working with Johnny B. Bad. It was, you know, those, those guys were great to work with. Uh, Sting and uh, Luger. Sting would come to me and he'd say, uh, hey, it's me and you, Gamma. I said, okay, cool. He said, just want to call it in the ring? I said, yes, I will me. <laughs> and uh, usually the matches you've seen that men's Sting done was just act, react. Same thing with Luger. Same thing. Just easy guys to work with. I don't have no complaints or nothing, nothing bad to say about anybody, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that it's such a lost art nowadays, Jeff. Like, obviously, I learned, I started in 1990 myself. So that was the way you would do it. You'd go over one or two things and then basically just call it all in the ring. Or if it was a house show, you wouldn't even go over anything. You just walk out there and see what happens. It's such a lost art. There'd be so many kids in the wrestling business today. 
if I well, said, and if you notice, if you know, I'm sorry, Chris, but, I mean, but if you notice that match between you and I, neither one of us were talking. No, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-uh. Ole Anderson had a thing about, don't want to see you talk in the ring. I don't want to see you back him into the ropes and talk into his. I don't want to see that. I want you act and react. That's what I want to see. Hmm. And he said, if you're a professional and you don't know how to do it, you can make it happen. You can have a damn good match by doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I guess that's just some of the old school stuff, you know. <laughs> love Dolly, man. Man, I love Dolly. Got any Oli stories? Because he was kind of a, a, a crotchety guy, too, at times. <laughs> no, uh, Oli, uh, uh, Oli was just tough at that training camp. He was, hey, I'm going to tell you what. You didn't get smart with Ole. Ole would knock your dick in the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> Ole was just a straight. Ole shot straight with me. Ole, Ole didn't bullshit me. You know, he just, you know, he told me, you know, cut your hair. I cut my hair. Right. Then when I come back, my haircut, he's like, he's like, that's what I thought. You had that look. Mm-hmm. But he never told me what look. You know, I was just assuming it was that Anderson look, you know. Right, you know, right, right. And the hair and the receding hairline and that, you know, he never <laughs> yeah. said you have the Anderson look. He said, that's what I thought, you got that look. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com. T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N dot com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. What were some of the biggest matches you ever had in WCW? Not really uh, any uh, big matches. No pay-per-views. No nitros. Okay. Not any of that. It's just mostly the Saturday morning, the uh, Sunday worldwide. So that was basically the programs they worked me on. Well, you mentioned working with Sting and Luger and those types of guys. Those are always big matches too, right? Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would consider those big matches. And Hacksaw Jim Duggan, man, love that guy. (laughs) (laughs) How could you not, right? Yeah. Uh, Working with Hacksaw was a night off too, you know. (laughs) Did you ever win a match in WCW? Uh, I think uh, just very few. (laughs) Uh, I think uh, uh, me and Scott Stud, I think they put me over on Scott Stud once. There was a couple of other matches I went over on. But it was very few, Chris. <laughs> That's all right, though. But and that was that was okay, man. I, I was getting to live out my dream, man, doing what I was doing. And if you don't mind, I'll go into that. Just with, me and my grandpa I used to watch wrestling with my grandpa. You know, and the hell, I'd get up in the living room floor, and I, he's like, "Calm down, Woodrow." He called me Woodrow. He's like, "Calm down, Woodrow. We're gonna miss it," you know. <laughs> but my my grandpa was a big wrestling fan. So then when he passed away in in seventy seven, you know, I kind of pulled away from it a little bit. Didn't really get to watch much wrestling, or I didn't watch much wrestling after that. And the Minnesota Wrecking Crew was his was his team, my grandfather's team. I mean, it was everything Minnesota Wrecking Crew. And one thing he always said about Ole, I remember he'd say, he'd say this about every time Ole was in a match. It's like, you know, he's like a big old oak tree. You better have a sharp saw or a big saw if you're going to cut him down. <laughs> <laughs> where, where, where did you grow up at? Birchwood, Tennessee. Where's that near? Memphis? Uh, north of uh, Chattanooga. Gotcha. So you're watching with your grandfather. And then, so when did you decide that this is something you wanted to do for, for a living? It's just kind of crazy uh, how everything really happened, Chris. You know, my grandfather passed away and then I wasn't really watching wrestling that much. And my father had a salvage yard, a junkyard. And uh, there was this guy come up and he took windows and 
door glasses, windshield, back glasses, all these cars. Well, his uncle had a window shop, automotive window shop, and his uncle was J.D. Kyle, which uh, uh, I think Dr. Hooks, what they called it, he wrestled. And my dad one day told this kid, he's like, man, you said, you're, you're a big kid, you know, and he's like, oh, yes, I'm a wrestler. My dad's like, oh, really? He said, well, I'll bring you some tickets next time. Mm-hmm. Well, he brought, brought us tickets. We go to Memorial Auditorium where Harry Thornton's putting on a show. Who was it? It was Terry Gordy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> bam, bam. <laughs> so when I got to, when I finally crossed paths with him, you know, once I got into the wrestling business, I reminded, I told him, he's like, oh my, he said, that's you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy, man, how, how that happened, you know? So then me and Terry, we'd see each other out at, at different clubs and all that stuff and, you know, communicate and become somewhat social friends. We didn't really hang out a lot, but, you know, when we seen it, one another was social and, and he had introduced me and all that stuff, you know. So that was just crazy that we go down and it's Terry Gordon. Oh, totally. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> taking those windshields and those glasses out for his uncle's glass company. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Great relationship to have right out of the gate for sure. Yeah. But how I got into wrestling was got married, graduated high school, all that. And then I went to work at a, a I was a welder at Century Record. We built a Century Records. And uh, there was a guy there said, uh, we was talking about wrestling one time. And he was like, well, I know a guy that uh, is a wrestler and he trains people. And I was like, oh, really? I said, I'd be interested in doing that, which I wasn't a big guy. You know, I was a skinny guy, you know. He said, yeah. So he introduced me to this guy. And this this guy, I think he charged me $900, I think, because I was interested in it. And uh, he taught me the basics. <laughs> he taught me the basics, how to fall, hit the ropes, and all that. And his name was Richie Dye. He was out, out of Ringo, Georgia, if I start recall. So he taught me the basics, and then I went from there. So I just started going to different independent circuits, and then there was an independent uh, show opened up in Cleveland, Tennessee. So I go out there, I meet Pez Watley. Uh, and, uh, you know, they had guys like uh, Mr. Wrestling 2 on the card, and, and Pez, and Buddy Landell. And so uh, I met Pez, you know, just started talking, communicating with Pez, you know. So I was showing him some wrestling pictures, and uh, he said, what do you think a promoter would do with these if a promoter, you sent these to a, a, a promoter? And I said, well, I don't know. So he find, finds a damn garbage can. He puts them in a garbage can. He said, that shit's going to go in the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Pez was a straight shooter with me, man. He said, that shit's going to go in the garbage. He said, you've been taught the basics, and whoever, whoever taught you that, done a good job. You know how to run the road, so you, and he said, you know, how to take the bumps and all that. But see, you need to start working out. He said, you need to put, put on some muscle. And I uh, said, you need to train with me for a little bit. I started training with Pez, and it was very little. He charged me, you know. So then me and him started traveling the roads together, doing independence. And it was just uh, training with Buddy Landale for a little bit, you know, while I was there in the Cleveland area, you know. But Pez was like a, a second father to me. Mm-hmm. He gave me good advice on the road and, I miss old Pez. I miss him. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. It was some fun times traveling with Pez and, and learning from him. And then when I ended up going to WCW for a tryout, who comes down there and gets a job as a trainer? It's Pez. <laughs> 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 but, you know, so that was, that was just a, a funny thing. You know, when Pez, you know, I was always driving. You know, I was always driving. He's a veteran and I'm driving, you know. And he'd book a double show. You know, he'd book a double show. He'll we might be in uh, Athens, Tennessee, uh, doing, a, doing a show, and then all of a sudden I had to book it over to uh, uh, 
somewhere, you know, on the other side of Chattanooga, you know, for you to do the other show. (laughs) 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 Yeah, be up and down I-75 driving like crazy. I enjoyed those days the best. Yeah, sure did. So you basically got into WCW very early on in your career then. It's not like you had jumped around different territories. I did. I really don't know how I got there that fast, Chris. You know, like my son told me, he said, Dad, said it was just like you were welding. And then next thing you know, you're working for one of the largest companies in the world, you know. And I said, yeah. I said, I don't know how that happened. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't a very good uh, uh, politicker. Sometimes I'd say shit I shouldn't say, you know. And uh, I wish I'd been been a little more uh, correct on things, you know. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't, you know. And you can't go back and change it, you know. I'm not going to went further, Chris, and I would have done that. And, And that's what Pez told me. He said, it's not ass kissing. It's not ass kissing. So it's mm-hmm. politics. You know, so you, you got to get in there with the politics with it too. But I didn't really have the communicational skills to get in there with those guys and, and try to politics either. Because I get irritated and get pissed off. <laughs> How did you see WCW grow? Because you mentioned you got there at 90, and then by 96, suddenly it's the top of the top. So kind of tell us the changes that you noticed. What was it like when you got there, and when did you start seeing things start to build? Yes, yeah, I started seeing it build. And, you know, and I actually started becoming a better wrestler the more I worked. Started seeing the changes. Uh, and then the production, I was just like, wow, the start with. But then over the years, you could actually see some of the production change, too, you know, the bigger production trucks and seemed like, you know, we're going to bigger venues. It just seemed like everything just grew fast. Because I, I remember, like, you know, I lived in Knoxville at the time. I was working for Smoky Mountain Wrestling. And to see, I remember they used to send us tickets in the mail with the power bill, like free tickets. If you want to come see WCW, fast forward a year and a half, and then suddenly it's stadiums, and then NWO was there and all that sort of thing. Did, did that affect you at all as far as your career, the money you're making? Were you working more? Were you working less? Actually, I think I think I was I was working uh, more during that time. I, I think you know when I wasn't working, you know, B towns, you know, on the road doing these shows. It seemed like the, the TV uh, programs were still pretty steady, right? You know, it seemed like it seemed like about pretty much every Saturday morning show or, or Saturday night or the Sunday worldwide show. It seemed like I had a little spot on there somewhere, you know. Another great thing too about that time is is like. There would be, I don't know, 150 wrestlers in Orlando. We'd all stay like close to Disney or whatever it may be. And then going out at night was always a blast going to downtown Disney and all that. Did you go, who, who did you hang out with outside of the ring? Do you remember Max Muscle? Mm-hmm. See, me and, me and Max Muscle were buddies and uh, traveled together everywhere, you know. So usually it was me and Max out somewhere, you know. You know, and then naturally we'd see some of the other guys, you know, out. Everything was cool, you know. But uh, mostly me and Max on the outpost. That guy was massive. It was aptly named Max Muscle. (laughs) (laughs) He was a good guy. He was a good guy. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Did you work in other territories as well? Because I, I think 
It seemed like there was a break in between your WCW stint and then you left for a while and then came back. Or were you were you just out on loan? Like, where else did you work at? When I got a shoulder injury, they had a, uh, some sort of talent agreement with USWA. So right after a shoulder surgery, I got sent to USWA. And that was Lawler's, that was Lawler's territory, right? Yes, uh, Lawler and Jerry. Yeah. So uh, they put the uh, tag belts on uh, me and Brickhouse Brown, but that was only just for a minute. And then put them right back over on the PG-13. I was up there probably uh, nine months, I guess, something like that, you know, until I was killing up and perfecting my craft. And then they brought me back to WCW. How was it working in Memphis and for Lawler? Like, tell us kind of what the schedule was at that point in time. How often were you working and that sort of an idea? If I remember correctly, it was like uh, Memphis on uh, Monday night, then uh, Louisville, Kentucky, I think, on uh, Tuesday. And then, like, Wednesday, Evansville, Indiana, you know, and I think it was hit or miss where we'd be at. On, but usually, it was, I'd be home on Sundays. I'd leave it up and uh, do the show on Monday and we'd get back home until Sunday. Driving a lot. Lots of driving. Yeah, it's a tough territory, right? To, to work six days a week driving all around. Right, yes. I was getting paid what little money I was making through uh, USWA, but I was still under contract with WCW, still getting that money as well. Oh, so that's okay then. So they were still protecting you. They just say down there's kind of a, a change of scenery. Right. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I enjoyed my time at uh, USWA. You know, worked with uh, Scott Stud a lot. And then Scott Stud got his break, went back to WCW with uh, Marcus. And when I come back to uh, WCW, then, you know, I got to work with uh, Scott some more. Uh, Scott was a blast to work with. He's easy to work with. It's just Part of working, you know, just to, but you have to enjoy it, and I, I enjoyed it. I really did. Sometimes I wish I could have got some longer matches, you know. Sometimes I wish I maybe could have got a little more of a push, but you know, hey, Chris, I'm happy with what I got. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a blast for me to get to do that. But how long did you stay in WCW for? When did you finally leave? '99 uh, was my last year. I mean, that's a nine-year run with with a major wrestling company. That's pretty. Uh, that's yeah. pretty rare, man. <laughs> right? Yeah. I've always appreciated the guidance that Owen would give me, uh, you know, the things he would suggest to me. It was an honor when Eric Bischoff actually picked me to uh, do that little uh, MGM skit uh, with uh, Marcus Bagwell. What was that one? It was uh, to where uh, they involved a kid as a referee, a timekeeper, a bell, you know, the ring the bell. And it was basically like a little skit where I tied everyone up in the back and I went out, and, and I was kind of doing the characters. I was like, whoa, now, hold on, now, Marcus Bagwell, I was in the back in a card game, you know? <laughs> hey, 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 I'm out here now, and I'm going to kick that butt for you, boy. You know, it's kind of kind of that skit, you know? So then, you know, I keep trying to get out of the match, and then Teddy Long comes out. And I was like, whoa, now, hold on, now, Teddy Long, I know you ain't getting out here in my business. I kind of use that Pez Watley character in there, you know? Yeah. Man, it's a nice thread you got on. You know, so then I pull a 20 out, try to bribe him, then he gives it to the kid, somebody on the front row, you know. So it was a, just a little four or five minute little skid that we did like six times a day. And I think that was in the uh, month of uh, July, June or July uh, at the uh, I had a blast doing that. So after I did that, but here's the thing, Chris, <laughs> when they give us the script to read, they give us the script, I was damn nervous and you know, my reading skills wasn't great anyway. You know, just, <laughs> so I uh, I get the script, and 
the words are running together. Hell, I couldn't even read my damn lines. You know? <laughs> so we took Ray and I told Eric, I said, let me, uh, Dallas Page told me, he said, now, if you ain't able to pull this off, you're probably going to be let go. Okay. And uh, studied it. I studied it all night long from a damn mirror with a brush, you know, kind of doing my character and all that shit, you know. Blew it out of water. Everyone told me, said, said you're still on the show from Marcus. <laughs> and, you know, which Marcus was going over in the bank. Everybody told me, said, you're still on the show. So after it was all over, after it was all over, this was a great compliment coming from Eric Bischoff. He pulls a chair up in front of me. He said, I just want to thank you for what a great job you did with that. I said, okay. I said, I appreciate it. He said, let me tell you this. He said, when you've impressed my wife, and she's hard to impress, said she asked if we had sent you for acting classes. Wow. And I told her, no, that was just all you. <laughs> and uh, he said, when you've done that, you've done something. And said, thank you for doing such a great job with it. And that was an honor. That was an honor to get to do that. I've always loved acting. I've always loved it. And that might be the reason that my son's, you know, into the acting world, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's always been a, been a part of life that I've liked and enjoyed. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. So you mentioned before that you were the bodyguard of Rick Rude. What exactly did that entail, and how what was your relationship with Rick like? It was uh, uh, when uh, Rick Rude had stolen the belt from Dustin Rhodes. They were looking for two bodyguards to uh, go to the ring with him. And uh, Ole picked me to do that. And then this other guy, I think his name was John Cap. So him being the top, he was taller than me, this guy John was. So they picked me to get in the ring opened the briefcase up while Rick put the belt in the briefcase. And then we stood at ringside uh, while he wrestled uh, Dustin. And that, it only, it was just only a few times we did that. It didn't, didn't last long. And, you know, Rude was just like, you know, you ought to stand to the side of me. I interview you. You don't say a damn word. I just, I do all the talking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but hell, we knew what our job was, you know. And, sure. Uh, just did it to the best of our ability. Yeah. So, uh, but Ole, Ole picked me for that. And I remember when, uh, you know, he sent me to the office and, uh, then he come in and told Black Tech Mulligan, he said, this is our guy right here. You know, why he picked me, I have no idea. You know, and then I got put into a little skit with when uh, Kevin Nash was doing Vinny Vegas. I was like a hitman bodyguard slash something right there. And that was only just a few times as well. And then Vinny ended up uh, taking the money from me and then beat me up or something. You know, it was just a little short-lived bullshit they done. You know, so evidently, I don't know if it wasn't getting over or why they canned it. Maybe they found a better run with something else. Who knows? You know? It's interesting. Like uh, back in the old days, the territory days, when you were somewhere for a long time and a new booker came in, sometimes it would affect whatever push that you have. And you mentioned you started with Oli. And then was the next booker after that Kevin Sullivan? Uh, yes. So did that kind of affect affect kind of the work that you were doing? No, actually, I got along great with Kevin. It seemed like you know I didn't hang out with Kevin or anything, but when we seen each other and spoke, you know, I got along great with Kevin. 
And uh, I don't know why. You know, I mean, why just but it didn't interfere. I mean, which I wasn't getting no kind of push or anything. I was just that guy, that guy that was on the card to do his job and make yeah. everybody look good. So what finally happened in 99 that led to you leaving WCW? My contract was up. And uh, so I went home and I started building a house. And while I was in the process of building my house, I get a phone call from uh, J.J. Dillon. So I answered the phone, and he said, uh, Gammer. And I said, yeah. He said, it's James J. Dillon. And uh, he said, you ready to come back to work? And I said, whoa. I said, well, right now I'm in the process of building a house. And uh, he said, well, we can get you a ticket in the mail. And I said, well, I'm in the process of building a house. I said, this is an open invitation. I said, once I'm finished with my house, can I give you a call? He said, give us a call. Have a good day. That was basically it. And I never called. You know, things happen. You know, uh, you know, I had to, you know, work and make money. And then, you know, kind of my marriage kind of fell apart. And just and then the whole deal with WCW going through all those changes. I knew that I would get washed out or, you know, lost in the mix. You know, so I just knew that was a waste at that point, you know. And, and hell, I just disappeared. <laughs> Did you ever work any indies at all or anything like that, or was that the end of it? I opened one little indie show of my own, and uh, like I said, I, uh, prior when we was talking, I used Buff a few times on an indie show, and I think Disco Inferno maybe once or twice, you know, and that was short-lived, too. That was short-lived, although, because it was right there around 9-11, when 9-11 occurred. It was, I mean, it was tough on every, anything that was happening. So I ended up uh, closing the doors on that, and then uh, never, never went done anything else and that was it that's that's interesting that, that most guys don't just walk away from the business on their own terms yeah i just i mean did i want to do it more yes mm. i mean yes I, I did but i just i just didn't feel like there was no place for me right there at that time and then you know each year goes by and time goes by and <laughs> you know it's just like uh, hell, there was even people out on YouTube wondering where I went, you know, searching <laughs> for the gambler. Where did he go? He just disappeared, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I never did anything on social media with my wrestling or anything, you know, because that was, it was just something that I did that I enjoyed and I just wanted to keep it to myself, I guess, mm-hmm. you know. And also, I don't know, I just disappeared after 99. And then, I wind up dead, and here I am. <laughs> and what do you do now, Jeff? I do uh, auto body collision. Now I did I did auto body and fabrication and welding before uh, I got into wrestling. So mm. after wrestling, then you know that's what I went back to. You know, I went back to what I know, and uh, you know, buying, selling cars, and auto collision, and fabricating. You know, so that's that's what I grew up and learned how to do, and so I went back to it. <laughs> Last couple of questions for you. Is there a favorite road story that you had where something crazy happened? Because it always was the case when we're on the road somewhere, something would go down. Is there something that stands out for you? Yeah, I'm afraid if I went to tell, I'd probably tell on somebody. (laughs) 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 I might be telling something I shouldn't tell, you know? (laughs) Not really, not really, you know. Uh, I can't think of anything right off the top of my head that was a crazy thing. Well, one thing. I, I'll tell this because it ain't nothing to get anybody eat, you know. We was on a little show one time, and uh, I think it was a Harley race, and Vader, uh, uh, I think, was in a town car. And then it was uh, me and Max was in one, and Mark Starr, and someone was with him. And t- I think it was Terry Taylor was someone. I think there was like four of us town cars 
going through this little town somewhere up in Virginia. I'm talking about we're just wide open. We're trying to stay up with Harley. Harley's just, I mean, he's a maniac behind that wheel. You know, in and out of those damn curves. Hell, we almost run somebody off the road. We almost run off the road. Max was driving, you know, so, uh, and he done a great job driving. You know, we didn't wreck anything, but Harley took us through those damn curves on that road. I'm talking about just wide open. <laughs> I know it had to be crazy. It had to be crazy to these people seeing you know, four of these town cars just run a bumper to bumper coming through their little town, you know. So, I, you know, that story there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Old school driving, right? Oh, I'm going to tell you what, that Harley, he, I've heard stories about him, but I, I witnessed that one now. <laughs> yeah, I witnessed that one right there. <laughs> a last question for you, Jeff. What's your favorite match that you ever had? Is there one that stands out for you? Well, Chris, I guess I would have to say it's a match you and I had. <laughs> Come on. I mean, you know, you give me more credit on that than, than what I deserve, you know. You know, I was just doing my job, man. Yeah. But, uh, no, that match, uh, uh, that match really, when I seen it again, I was like, oh, that was a damn good match. You know, yeah. for two people that didn't know each other, to get in the ring and just basically call it in the ring is basically what we've done. It, you know, and just act and react. And I was I was very proud of that match with you. Yeah, me too, man. And once again, like like I said, you say that I'm giving you too much credit, but for at that point in time, I really needed to have a good, solid match. And well, we had I'm glad I could do it. Yeah, so I always wanted to be able to say that to you in person, and thankfully I got to well, do if it. You remember now, you come you come to the locker room. Uh, you come to the locker room, and I think I was getting my boots off, and you come in and you thanked me. You did. You you said thank you. You said you you got me signed to uh, WCW. If I ain't mistaken, that was your words. And you said, if I can ever do anything for you, you let me know. Am I correct on that? I don't really remember, but I do remember I was really happy with it and really felt indebted to you. So I'm sure I, I say thank you to everybody, but I'm sure I gave you an yeah. extra special thank you. Yeah, you, you did. You you come in and you thank me. And, and best ever cause, like, if I can do anything for you, let me know. You know, it, and it was an honor for me to have a good match with somebody. That was, yeah. Uh, you know, thank you. Well, and that's the thing. I'd been wrestling for six years at the time. I knew the difference between a good match and a bad match. And you have that feeling. We're like, okay, we f nailed it. So once yeah. again, man, I'm glad I got to tell you that in person and not after your supposed death. So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, my, my son had already told me that you had put it in your autobiography. Yes. That it was in there. And then I seen something on, on the net about it. You know, so I had already read that, you know, once when I was like, oh, shit, man, he's giving me more credit than I deserve. <laughs> well, to me, it means a lot, man. I'm glad we got to see each other for probably the first time in 25 years or whatever it may be. So, Correct, yeah. man. Now, we were going to get to see each other uh, when you were going to come to Chattanooga uh, with your Fozzie. Right. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Because uh, you was going to put me on the guest list. Because my son had contacted you. Yeah, yeah. So we were going to get to see each other then, but then that venue got shut down. It was right at the time of the pandemic and, right. and all that. So I'd love to come to one of your shows, dude. I'd love it. I mean, I think we're around Chattanooga at some point. I'll let you know. Anytime that we're around Chattanooga, I'll, uh, okay, I'll shoot cool. you a text. We can, I mean, we can, we can say hi in person. Judas. Your song, Judas, man, that kicks ass. You, know? <laughs> awesome, man. You, don't know, I, you don't know how many times I've listened to that song, you know? So... Great job on that. Well, I appreciate it, man. And keep always remember that you had a, a big integral role in my career. So once again, thank you, Jeff. And it's great talking to you. And I'm glad you're alive. All right. Thank you, Chris. It's great talking with you. All right, Matt. I'll see you soon. Cheers, man. Okay.
All right, you have a good one. You too, buddy. Thanks, Jeff.